Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Jerick Show. I am Javad Malik, as always. And uh, unfortunately, I can't do this thing alone today, despite my many, many uh, uh, requests to management. Uh, so alongside me, as always, is the wonderful Eric Crone. As always, because we haven't said that enough already. No. <laughs> I'm doing good, Javad. How are you doing? Are you counting my verbal ticks now? I am. I am. I'm going to make fun of everything I can possibly find. Okay. Speaking of making fun of something, it's really easy to make fun of people when they uh, do something wrong or they make a mistake. So let's make fun of this, <laughs> this story. No, it's not something to make fun of. I'm just being silly. But um, a... So we're in the fishing business. So we uh, send simulated fishing to help train people to make them make better decisions so they can see that. And um, our customers, they, they're free to send out whatever fishing templates they want. They can edit some of those templates as well to whatever they want um, to make it more realistic, to test their employees better. So uh, yesterday, um, uh, the Tribune, a newspaper, sent out a phishing email to their staff and they received a bit of a backlash because it was considered slightly insensitive. Uh, talk us through what happened here, Eric. Yeah, so uh, this is what this was very unfortunate. Um, but what happened is uh, the people that were in charge of sending the simulated phishing uh, attacks there, they actually pulled a community template. It wasn't even one that No Before did themselves or we did ourselves. It was one that someone in the community had used and submitted, and they took that and they tweaked it a little bit. And in this case, what they did is they said, um, you know, we're going to be giving uh, targeted bonuses of $5,000 to $10,000 each this year. And, you know, basically a click here to, to do what you need to do sort of thing. The problem with this is this particular publication had just done some major cuts. They were, uh, you know, people are in financial distress as it is. There's lots of things that go on like that at this time where the timing of something like this was just very, very bad. Um, and as unfortunate as it is, sometimes these things happen. So this is a lesson about things like this and taking into account sort of the uh, the tone of what's going on around this. And, you know, I like to think also anytime you're doing a red team type activity or a pen testing activity, you need to make sure the scope is defined and you know how far you can go because it's easy to cross the line if you don't. I agree. And one one thing that I believe firmly in is if you send out, if you're the security team uh, and you send out a phishing email and people respond negatively to that or they're really, really annoyed, I don't think the phishing email is the cause. It's it's brought the symptoms to uh, underlying symptoms to light that the relationship that your users has with the security team is is not ideal. Um, so I'd say, you know, in those circumstances, before you send out a phishing email, let, let's look at the relationship you have and understand what that is with the users. And I think, you know, sending something out at this point, it's 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 gonna get a reaction. And you know, the objective of phishing tests isn't to catch people out. You're not because if you if you were to do that, then you know, HR could could work with the the team, and they could say, okay, these are all these people's good points and bad points, or 
you know, let's pull their files up. Oh, that person took time off because of some family bereavement. So let's send them a phishing email to pretending to be from the funeral director. Well, yeah, you're going to get them to click on it and you get to say ha-ha to them, but, you know, at what cost? So I, I think it's it's really important to that to to remember that these are obviously technical offerings that you're you're, you're you're deploying technical tools, but you the human have to make the decision, and you have to be very aware of the fact that you're dealing with other humans on the other side. Yeah, and there is a valid argument that in cases like this, where it's been very public with the layoffs and things like this. Um, that the bad guys could, in fact, exploit something like this, right? And, and it would probably be very effective. Um, so that's, you know, that's kind of the counter argument to say, well, actually, the bad guys could be doing this. It comes down to, you know, just thinking about it from the outside and being very cautious with things like this. And you're right, this can definitely impact uh, the relationship we have as security professionals with the users, which is a detriment, right? We we want them to feel comfortable picking up the phone and going, this may be nothing, but, I mean, that's that saved me from a W-2 scam. If somebody picked up the phone and said, I don't know that this is anything, but it makes me feel kind of weird. And sure enough, it was bad, right? So we have to be careful with that. And again, this is the same in any kind of pen testing. So if you're having physical pen testing done, right? Is it enough to have them, you know, just try to walk in the front door with a badge or are they going to, you know, shake the doors on the outside and see if they can get in that way or, you know, kidnap a family member? And I mean, you know, how do how far do you go with this thing? Um, at some point in time, you're hitting the nuclear options when maybe that's not what you need to do. Maybe you need to send out a phishing email and then follow up with the, hey, and by the way, we may be subject to this because this is public, maybe right? Uh, something a little bit more informative maybe than this. I understand why it happened. It's unfortunate that it happened. Um, and, you know, it's just something that we should all try to learn from, honestly. Exactly, exactly. And and just to not not to labor the point too much, but phishing is is one avenue. It's probably the it's the biggest avenue in social engineering as it is at the moment, but it's only one avenue. And we're not trying to make people only phishing experts. We want them to just think about cybersecurity as a whole and make better risk decisions. So, you know, it because, you know, all of us, I think at some point have fallen for a phishing email, whether it be a simulated one or a real one, or or, or maybe you, you just pause for a, for a while. So I don't think getting caught out is anything, it's, it's not like, you know, shame on you. But it's just about understanding that these things happen and they can come in many guises, in many forms. And they could come on the phone, they could come on in a text message, or SMS. It could be so much more than just, just an email. So I think we, we need to broaden our horizons a bit to, to that regard as well. Yeah, it's a culture thing. It's an overall security mindset and culture thing, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Um, moving, moving swiftly on to something a bit more lighthearted. So there's a town in Wales, which I cannot pronounce because there's way too many consonants in the name. If you've ever been to Wales, um, yeah, unless you know Welsh, don't try to pronounce anything. And that's all I'm going to say about Wales. But <laughs> but uh, there's this town, uh, Aberhosen, uh, in village. And every morning at 7 a.m., like clockwork, the internet would suffer, it would slow down, splutter, cough, start lagging, what have you. 
and no one could figure out why. So BT, who provide, they, they lay, relayed a lot of the cable. Uh, they sent engineers around. There is a small town, so there's no hotels there, so they had to stay in a hotel 50 miles away and drive in every morning. Uh, they, they, they conducted an investigation for about 18 months, and then they figured out that there's a householder who uh, had bought an old television, uh, secondhand old, and it was downstairs. And every morning they'd wake up, light clockwork, make their coffee, tea, eggs, turn on TV at 7 a.m. And the, uh, the, the, the sort of interference that came out from the TV um, would uh, knock out the whole village's broadband. Um, so they, they told the owner he was mortified, apparently. He promised never to turn it on again. <laughs> very embarrassed. And, and then BT were very kind. They released a very um, diplomatic statement saying, well, all sorts of electronic devices can can cause interference. So make sure that it's, it's approved, quality controlled and, um, you know, in, in good working order. But, but I, I just thought it was funny to see, like, you know, there were um, a TV could cause that much damage, and you know engineers were walking around with like what the, those spec spectro spectrometers, spectrometers, spectrum analyzers, whatever. Yeah. You, you've got some experience with that kind of stuff, don't you, Eric? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> ironically, uh, this kind of reminds me of a story that I had uh, a long time ago when I first got out of the Navy. Um, I, I worked for a company. We did cable TV, kind of over the airwaves, right? So you had an antenna on your roof, kind of like satellite, but much more localized. So we had these antennas up on a mountain uh, and it would shoot down to the houses where they'd have the little antenna and then you get cable out of that, right? So it was okay. It was really good for rural areas where, you know, there was no like cable laid out to the homes, et cetera, et cetera. So it gave those options for rural areas or lower income areas as well. Well, um, I was a troubleshooter for them, a technician. And I, I had this call of a gentleman who said every afternoon, like at, at a certain time, he loses his internet or his cable rather. And so I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, they scheduled me. I go out there and I'm looking around. I'm looking at everything. And this was earlier in the day. So, you know, it wasn't at the time. It's just when they scheduled me. And, and I checked all kinds of stuff. We tried some tweaks. Said, okay, let's see how it happens. Let's see what goes on. And sure enough, you know, I get called back out. And uh, this time I was able to schedule it. So I was there during the time that they said it was going to happen. And sure enough, we're, we're sitting out there and, and I'm taking my measurements. I'm up there with the antenna looking at stuff. And he was in a mobile home, which was kind of down in a little bit of a depression. And then the mountain was up on one side over here. And at that time, while we're getting ready for this to happen, a train comes by and blocked the line of sight to the antennas. And so this train was up on an uprising and he was down in a hill and it just blocked everything. So this is what was happening, but it was really hard to tell unless we were there at that time. And again, it didn't take me 18 months to figure it out only being out there at the time, but there's funny stuff that sometimes happens like that, that we, we never really put together, you know, something like a train a little ways in the distance blocking that. Uh, interesting times for sure. And, and I feel for this poor guy, you know, buys a secondhand TV. Who knows? Was it doing that somewhere else? Maybe that's why they traded it in or sold it, right? Uh, they were tired of taking their village down. I don't know. But can you imagine a year and a half and, and then how your neighbors are going to look, look at you in that little village? Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think on the, on the other side of the world, China's sitting there thinking, 
So if we want to take down that nation, we just need to sell a whole bunch of really cheap, really nice TVs at a lot with this feature built in that we can remotely enable. Hey, Huawei, start the TV production. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just giving them ideas. <laughs> right, right. No, it is amazing, though, how some of those things like that and, and how it could actually be weaponized, if you think about it. That's pretty funny. If they were able to isolate how that were to happen, and especially with smart TVs that are connected. Let's put yeah. on our tinfoil hats now, right? Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, Skynet comes alive and uh, starts snowing out all of our internet access so we're we're grounded i mean imagine that gosh what a world we live in i'm gonna I go know. dig a bunker <laughs> well to quote our chinese friends it's huawei or the highway <laughs> oh, <Yeah. man. laughs> on that note let's uh let's leave these poor folks to have the rest of their day back what do you say